Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Friends, we're celebrating the solemnity of the Holy Trinity. And uh, from the Catechism, it says, The Blessed Trinity is the principal truth of our faith. There are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God. Not a hierarchy of gods, but three co-equal in divinity. Each of the three persons possesses the same divine nature. Each is distinct from the other. However, without division and united in all things. Did you get that? Should I just go sit down now? Uh, it's not that easy, is it? My friends, I knew that we were coming up on this great celebration of this revelation and this mystery. And it always troubles me because I thought, how do you explain this? And um, when we reflect on uh, this revelation of the Holy Trinity, um, it would be easy uh, to succumb to, well, we can't, so let's just, I don't know, move on. And, uh, but perhaps, as my professor taught me, one of the ways to understand and enter into uh, this Trinitarian mystery uh, is to do so with the heart. We can always try and intellectualize, uh, but it doesn't quite work for us. Our brains can't handle it. <laughs> and um, if we approach the Trinity for what it is, love, and a love story, um, then it makes more sense. I've been using the example, uh, Father Mark is a priest and he will never be married and I will not be in love. And I can read about what it is to be in love, but I do not understand it still really completely. I can be in love with Jesus and, and the church. And I've been joking. I said, Father Mark is technically married to the church and the church is always wonderful and she always wakes up on the right side of the bed. <laughs> married couples, right? <laughs> um, but when I, when I see a couple that are in love and you tell me what it is, oh, you know, and you know, and you know, and no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you to explain. And uh, uh, funny things like uh, one, I remember it said, well, you know, it's really cute when my husband, he leaves, you know, he never tucks in the one side, and uh, it should be embarrassing, but it's really not. And, uh, and, and you see, to be in love makes, uh, it's, you can't get it here because it defies reason and logic. And, you know, I said, okay, Maybe Father Mark will be around in 25 years, and I'll ask you, does he still leave that side out, and does it still cute to you? <laughs> but in the same way, um, I will never be a parent. But I'm able to observe parents and the love that they have for their children, what they will do. And sometimes that defies reason and explanation. So what I'm getting at is, because uh, some people are like, well, I, I can't understand the Holy Trinity, I can't believe it. You live in a world of things that are unexplainable already, beginning with love. Unless you're in love, you never really understand. I can't, but that doesn't mean experience. A lot of times when I'm working with a, a newlywed couple or those that are just really in love, they're all dewy and sparkly. And the one time I was helping out a couple and they left and I said, oh my gosh, I'm all sparkly and dewy like they are. 
You know, I can feel it. What I'm getting at is you need to experience the Holy Trinity. You experience love. Yes, our great saints, believe me, I've read them all, and um, even they struggle, and I am certainly not better than they. So, um, my friends, it begins with the Father. And in the Old Testament, God is presented uh, as king, and rightly so, and as creator, and rightly so. And he says, you are my people, and I will be your God. And then in the New Testament, the Son comes, and he says, ah, my Father and yours. Call him Father. And through me now you are his adopted children, as we heard in the second reading. Not just adopted children, but co-heirs with me. That has relevance for us. And we are told in the gospel, Jesus says, go baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He empowers them to do something. So all the baptized Christians are empowered by the very power of the Spirit to go and to do, to go and to love. So all of it has this great reverence. So as we see in the beginning then, we see the Father's great love. From the book of Deuteronomy, we hear Israel's affirmation for the gratitude and the goodness of God and all that he has done. They refer to him as the Lord. And he freed them from slavery. And he gave them a land and provided for their future and journeyed very closely with them. We know from the history of God's people how they struggle to respond to God in love. And people fall, and they rise, and they fall again, and God's love continued to raise them up. God shows himself as Father to guide his people to a mature relationship of love. People in their struggle respond um, to respond faithfully then to God's call to love um, was difficult. So the Father then sends his Son. Through him we behold how much God loves all of his creation but us who are created in his image. And through Jesus of Nazareth, his Son, the Son of God, we feel the presence of the Father in our world, communicating the Father's love in and through Jesus, teaching us and preaching and healing and dying and rising for you and I. Jesus is God's Son, constituted in power as he triumphs over everything and ultimately human death. The Holy Spirit comes and he breathes on us because as we're told in the gospel, they doubted. It means they are struggling. They didn't understand. So Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit who will remind you. Remind me of what? How much you are loved. First and foremost. And everything that I have taught you. And everything that you should do also. And what do we see God doing? Nothing. 
His love created all that there is. Every universe, no matter how many bazillion light years away, was created by him. And it's held together by him and continues to grow because of him, because that's what love does. My friends, the, the love of the Spirit is to be at work in our community uh, and of the disciples. The Spirit of God, the power of God, uh, makes us remember that we are now his children. And it encourages us to live out this identity, this wondrous new identity. And in the gospel, Matthew presents Jesus sending his followers. Like I said, go and do something. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and communicate to them all that I have taught you, everything I've showed you. And to baptize people in that name signifies a marking on them, a seal upon them of love, of communion, of solidarity. And my friends, this mystery of the Trinity is a mystery of unity and one that creates unity. The revelation of its mystery does not abolish the revelation of the Old Testament, but rather brings it to its fulfillment and its full understanding. In the Old Testament, the revelation of the oneness of God was crucial. We read from the book of Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you shall love the Lord our God with all your heart. <laughs> Are you competing with me, little? Oh, I'm going to baptize you later, though, aren't I? <laughs> Is that Lucy talking to me? Oh, Lucy, we're going to do just as Jesus said, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'll get my moment with water. <laughs> but the Lord is one. And it is a profound mystery that Israel could not welcome this understanding without being transformed by it. The oneness of God is dynamic and moves beyond our understanding. It allows people to discover their own oneness and how it is needed in our time now. It causes all things to converge in unity, to love the one God with our whole heart and our whole being and all of our strength, the great Shema of Israel, the great words from Deuteronomy should bring us an interior unity of peace that we would not otherwise have. Only in the one God will people find this unity and peace. My friends, what happened, sin divided. And in that, we humans came up with crazy notions and ideas, starting with all these little demigods. And that created even more division and more madness from my opinion. That's just my opinion. The revelation of the one God allowed humanity, humanity to come together and to find its center element. The one God is a foundation of our life of love and perfection and holiness. For this reason, we can recognize God as the one God. Everything else is as far as I'm concerned, fake and false. This one God called not only each individual, but all people to come together and to unite. A higher unity obtained by walking 
with God, towards God, in unity with him. The prophet Isaiah said, Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the Lord's mountain, to the house of God. One nation shall not raise the sword against the other, nor shall they train for war again. Faith in the one God will bring harmony amongst the family of humanity created in God's image. You see what I'm getting at? If God is an economy, a family of love and unity, and we're created in that, we must be the same then. It must resonate in our hearts. There's this restlessness in humans. It's because they're not understanding it and finding it. In the New Testament, this reality is brought to its full light in a profound way, uh, thanks to the revelation of the sacred Holy Trinity, which not only does not weaken, but indeed fulfills the extraordinary being that is God. We are not speaking about uh, some loneliness of some type. God is, that's the thing. God has always been, if you will, family, son, spirit, family. In theology speak, we call it the economy. <laughs> and that draws all people into union with each other. There are three persons who form one God. In the mystery of this Trinitarian unity, we find the very source both of our own interior life as well as for our relationships. Our families are to be based on it. Our friendships are to be based on it. Countries should come together based on we see the sacred unity and trinity. Jesus presents the union between him and his father as a model for us, describing it in terms of being reciprocal and in total communication and unity. He says, may they all be one as you may be in us. All Christians are called to be, in the depths of their own hearts, the image of the perfection that is in the sacredness and holiness that is the Holy Trinity. The interior peace that we obtain then from God's unity impels us to pursue unity with others. As Jesus wills, let they be brought to perfection as one. My friends, our ideal of unity is in the, comp the understanding of this trinity of ours in whom there are no divisions, there are no oppositions in the Holy Trinity, but only a full understanding that we are created in God's image, in this perfect love, in family, in being, will we find our peace. It is love that should fill us then. Jesus says to the Father, I have made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them also. Paul, into the Ephesian, writes, One Spirit, one Lord, one God. 
And thus he invites us to welcome one another in love and in peace, seeking to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is the unity that is supposed to be the body of Christ, the church. And we are called to participate in this. We are called to represent this. The church is directed along God's plan, which has not been fully fulfilled because of this. My friends, uh, you hear me say, the greatest scandal of the Christian faith is this disunity because we are made in his image, an image of a sacred unity. And there's division and bitterness. Is it any wonder our hearts are so restless? Because we haven't come to the full understanding. In these times when so many people feel fragmented and divided, not only amongst others, but within them own, their own selves, and find it difficult to recognize and to work toward a pattern of holiness, of love, we have these beautiful glimmers of the Trinity and how it is supposed to be. Hints of the unity of our triune God should characterize us, the disciples of Jesus Christ, who are made in his image, Genesis 1, 26. Glimpses of his love that overflows and touches all of creation, but especially the human family. Hints of the way we should be that illustrates the loving qualities of our God that we are to employ. Glimpses of the gospel values that should be in our lives and permeate our lives, shaping it, giving it its sense of direction to all of our human endeavors and activities. So much bitterness and so much division. And in our time, this pandemic has reached into nations and peoples and into our church and caused more division and more bitterness. People hating each other, killing each other, yelling at each other. Mass, no mass, vaccination, unvaccination. Stop. We failed so far, but with his grace, we can rise and say no more, no more division, no more hatred. I can come to understand one's position, but not hate and not be bitter because I know I am created in his image. And I desire and seek peace and unity, true peace, true unity, true harmony. We are to testify to Jesus Christ, a part of that testimony that can never be removed is unity because we are created in the triune God's image. So yes, the greatest scandal of Christianity is its division 
we've got to work harder to come together to testify to God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay? Can we work on this? We have His grace. The second reading said you have not fear but courage for the Spirit. So let us be courageous. Let us be courageous now. And to those at home, I love you. I need you back. I need you back in the pews. We will always have spaces available for people who are comfortable. We still have our outdoor seating. I miss you, and I love you, and I want you back, and I don't want you to be afraid. You will find your home here in love, in unity.